as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his Yeah. 
Prince of Peace, and I will live my life for Him. He is Lord of Lords, He is King of Kings, He is mighty God, Lord of everything. He's Emmanuel, He's the Great I Am, He's the Prince of Peace, who is the Lamb, He's the Living God. He's my saving grace, He will reign forever, He is ancient of days, He's the Alpha, Omega, beginning and end, He's my Savior, Messiah, Redeemer and Friend, He's my Prince of Peace, and I will live my life for All who are weak, come to the fountain, dip your heart in the stream of life, let the pain and the sorrow be washed away in the waves of His mercy. As deep cries out to deep, come, Lord Jesus, 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 come, Lord Jesus. Dip your heart in the stream of life Let the pain and the sorrow Be washed away In the waves of His mercy As deep cries out to deep Come Lord Jesus
To our Bible class here uh, at the Hartsville Church of Christ. For those of you who are online, we are thankful that you are with us. If you would like a brief skeleton outline of our class, there's one at the table there. Also, along with um, our newsletter for tonight. And you might want to take your Bibles and go ahead and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. And we'll be looking at that text tonight in just a moment. Let's look at the inside of our newsletter. Notice on the left side, uh, those who are sick. As far as I know, there are no changes uh, to any of those who are uh, listed there or no additions. We will be praying for them in just a moment. In the center of our newsletter 
Uh, today, Caroline Pettit was baptized, and we rejoice with, with uh, Bob and Amy and the family with that. And there's information there. Also, the ACU annual dinner is uh, next Tuesday night, the 21st. And uh, if you didn't sign up and would like to sign up, you can still sign up. Just let Tim know when his information is there. There's the Child Haven Supply Drive, the Secret Sisters. And then also uh, notice that the birthdays and anniversaries for the week of February 23rd through March 1st uh, are listed below. Uh, there will not be a newsletter next week, and, and that's the reason it's done. M&M will be uh, February the 27th on a Monday night, and the M&M cards are up here, uh, so you can mark your ministry. There is not a, uh, there is a ministry we're doing that's not on the card, but there's a, a, a pad here uh, that you can sign. Part of our M&M, one of the ministries that we'll be doing is on Sunday, uh, on Sunday, uh, the 26th, that's the Monday, uh, Sunday before our M&M on Monday, uh, there will be a singing at Columbia Cottage. And if you can sing at Columbia Cottage on Sunday at 4 p.m., uh, sign that up there, and that's the part of our M&M, and you can still come and eat with us on Monday night. And as I mentioned uh, some time ago, uh, some more things are going to be planned as far as ministries. It'll maybe happen on Saturday or a day or two before M&M, and that's part of the ministry. And as I said, you can come and eat with us on Monday night by doing those. So please sign M&M cards or also sign if you'd like to go to the cottage on Sunday afternoon. Let's see, that's about all I want to call to your attention. Uh, let's have a, a word of prayer together. Father, we, uh, we thank you for the day and the week. We thank you for always the time we can have together to just open up the Word and study a little bit. We have some that we just wanna, want you to help, want you to bless. That's Laura Veal, and we pray that her surgery has been and will be successful, and she'll have a speedy recovery. Be with Tallulah as her battery is replaced and the pacemaker. Continue to be with Brother Reynolds Howard. Your father, he struggles and uh, he has so many issues, but he's such a great attitude. And just, just give him a sense of your presence in his life. For Joby Burgess, give her peace. For Mark Maurice Wildman, we pray, Father, as uh, I struggle with pancreatic cancer. For Peggy Benenfield, for Louis Ferreros, a friend of Tara Summerford. We just pray that uh, you look down and, and bless this lady in a special way who's struggling with cancer. And Father, we have folks at home that are really having tough times. Billy Engel, Bobby Johnson, Tim Madelon, Sabrina Hughes, and Donna Hughes, and Danny Payne. We just pray that you'll help them. We bring their names before the throne tonight, asking your blessings. We thank you for the great prophet Elisha. 
We're thankful for the many, many lessons we have, and we pray that you'll bless our study tonight and, and help us, that we may leave here with a, uh, a lesson or two we can take with us as we walk out of here and apply to our lives. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty, as I mentioned <clears throat> a few moments ago, your Bible should be open to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're back. We're going to uh, continue with Elisha. If you are our guest tonight, we are looking at the Elisha, the great miracle prophet, and mostly what we're doing is looking at his miracles. We will continue this through um, uh, May. Terry will be helping me out along the way, but we'll be continuing this through May as we look at all the miracles not all of them, uh, that's the thing. I don't think we'll be able to cover all of them, but we'll be looking at some of the miracles that Elisha the prophet uh, did. Let's very briefly, since it's been, uh, well, this is like three weeks ago and I taught, let's very briefly go back and uh, talk about Elisha and uh, the miracles that he has performed. And it's interesting when you look in the text, it just seemed like there's, there's one, and then there's one, and there's one. It's just there one right after the other. And not many breaks when it comes to uh, his story. We notice in chapter 2, two things. We noticed uh, how that Elisha uh, cured a, a spring. We saw how he dealt with the disrespectful mockers, uh, with the bears and the mauling, with the younger folks. We saw in chapter 3 how he saved three armies, and a king, the army of Israel, the army of Judah, and the army of Edom. And then we saw uh, how he uh, saved a family in our last lesson in the first part of chapter 4, verses 1 through verse 7. We saw this uh, widow who had been left in a, in a dire financial strait and how Elisha helped her uh, to deal with this situation because the creditors we're going to take away her two boys. And now tonight, uh, we come to probably one of the better known events in the life of Elisha. I mentioned to you as we began that there, most of these things, is, these are rich stories. And they're rich because we don't know them that well. And there are two or three that are known, and I would think probably this one <clears throat> is one of the ones that is uh, better known than all the stories uh, that we have and all the miracles of Elisha. Tonight we're going to see how a woman builds a prophet chamber. And as a result of what she did, she is rewarded with a son. Tonight there are three things I want us to think about as we go through this story Actually, we will continue this story next uh, Wednesday night. The story has a, just a natural break in it. And so we're taking the first section of the story, and then we're going to take the second section uh, next week. But tonight, there are three things that I, I want to emphasize and I want us to talk about a little bit that we can take out of, out of this miracle. There are three big words, three big things that we ought to be practicing in our life. One is hospitality. Number two is appreciation. 
And number three is contentment. Those are the three big things that we're going to see in our story tonight. And uh, two of them will come from the woman. And one of them will come from Elisha himself. Elisha is not, you know, where he, he sort of hunkers down in a place. Elisha, like most of the prophets, but especially Elisha, maybe even more than the other prophets, is always on the move. I mean, he, he's going here and there and, and everywhere. And we find, it's interesting in our story tonight, as we jump down to verse 9 in the story, we have this phrase, he passes by us regularly. That was the way Elijah was, Elisha. Elisha was continually on the move. Now, uh, tonight, and we've talked about this, in Jezreel was where the king had his, uh, uh, you know, had him a, had, had himself a, a summer home, you might say, and a special place. Jezreel is where uh, Jezebel will die. And then there's Mount Carmel. And it seems that Elisha, for some reason, traveled a lot from Jezreel to Mount Carmel. We talked about a couple of weeks ago that Mount Carmel, it seemed like, was a place of relaxation, believe it or not. Even though after we saw all the things that took place with Elijah, but Elisha really liked to go to Mount Carmel. Now, just above, you see Jezreel there, and just above Jezreel is the place called Shunem. Right there in the valley. That's called the, the Valley of Jezreel. And you've probably heard about that if you've studied Rez, uh, Revelation. But right just three miles north of Jezreel is the, is the little store, a little city, a little, it's not a city, more like a village than anything else, of Shunem. And Shunem was a place in biblical times, it was just basically consisted of farmers. And the big thing there would be corn and olives. Those were the two very big things when it came to, to what they grew in that area. Uh, here's a, another picture of Shunem and where it is. It's in that valley there just north, like I said, of Jezreel. But you can see the valley. And then at the point there, you see Mount Carmel. This is a, a picture of some of the ruins of Shunem of where we'll be talking about tonight. Of course, the, the city is not there or the little village or whatever is not there as, as it was in, in biblical times. But this is where we are and this is what we're going to talk about. I might mention this. I could back up a, a moment and uh, we see Shunem and Jezreel. Even though they were about three miles apart, uh, they were just, they were really far apart spiritually. In Shunem, there were people that were still faithful to God. And this woman that we're going to read about tonight, she was very, very faithful, as we'll see, to God. In Jezreel, it was a different ball game. Even though three miles apart, you have spirituality in uh, Shunem, but you have wickedness. And remember, we just got through saying that this is where Jezebel is. And this is very, any kind of remaining stuff of Baal, it's still here in Jezreel. So you got to, they're worlds apart when it comes to, to their faith in God. So here's where we take our outlines. 
And we began to just walk through the story now that takes place here uh, with Elisha. We begin, first of all, by looking at the generosity of a woman, this Shunammite woman, and how generous she was. And it's from this passage that we will get our first word. That's the word hospitality. So let's look as we begin. In verse 8, we want to see her persuasion of Elisha. Uh, she has something that she wants Elisha to do. And she is very, very persistent about it. So we come to the first part of verse 8, and the text says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. We don't know the name of this woman. No name is ever given to this woman. The thing that we do know is that she was of childbearing age. We'll see that as the story progresses. Also, we will see as the story progresses that she has married a man who is much older uh, than she is. That's about all that we know, except what the Bible says here, that she was a notable woman. More than likely, when you, you look at that word, it's, it's talking about wealth. Apparently, she had married a, a very, very wealthy man. We don't know how she came in contact and how she uh, met this man that was much older than she was. We don't know if it was an arranged marriage. We don't know if she married out of, uh, of need because uh, uh, she didn't want to be left. Uh, on, without any finances and without a home. We don't know these things. We just know that she married someone who was very, very uh, much older than she was. We do understand, and we'll see in just a moment, as I said a few moments ago, this woman had a strong faith, a very strong faith in God. And somehow along the way, I don't know how, she came in contact with Elisha. Now, maybe Elisha, in his often journeys from Jezreel to, to Mount Carmel, maybe he would go by through Shunem. Maybe that was a special place he could go. And she knew him. By this time, he would certainly be a popular prophet in the land. Maybe she knew him from Elijah. Maybe she just recognized him. Maybe he came into the city there, and, and he preached in the city. And as he preached in the city, she got to know him. But somehow, she knew who he was, and she knew that he was a man of God. So that brings us to the last part of verse 8. And notice what it says. And she persuaded him to eat some food. Now, that word persuaded is strong. It means that she pressed it. It means that she urged him to eat. It means that she begged him to eat. When I read that, I thought about my dear mama. My dear mama, that, that, that was her right there. She would persuade people. She pressed people. Sometimes she would not take no for an answer. That's where this woman is. She's not going to take no for an answer. You're going to come by and you're going to eat. And my mama, she would, she'd get you there, and she had you a captive audience, 
and Julia can tell you this, and, and she wouldn't sit down and eat with you because she was going to serve you. And my mama would stand over you, over, her, over your back, and when your beans got a little low, she's putting beans on your plate. If your potatoes got low, she was putting potatoes on your plate. I mean, that's the way mama was. She'd take some more of this. No, 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 kid. No, here it is. Well, that's the way this woman was. She was, just, she was just like mama made over when it came to this. And I just couldn't help but laugh. She would not take no for an answer. Here's another thing I thought about. Remember in our last story, the last miracle that Elisha did, it was with a poor woman. She was about to lose her boys because she didn't have money. Now, this story is with a rich woman. And all Elisha, he could just work with anybody, couldn't he? It didn't matter if they were poor, if they were rich, or, or, or whatever. That, that just stood out in my mind. Now, let's read on as we look at this last part of verse 8. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Oh, now that's a good preacher right there, buddy. I'll tell you, the preacher knows where to stop and to eat. Apparently, she was a good cook, you know. And as I think about that, I think about my days in Leeton, um, and I think about Sister Hallmark. Uh, you know, today, it, it, you just don't pop in anybody without being announced. I mean, some people you do that, but it's very, very rare. People want to know if you're coming and all that kind of stuff. But Sister Hallmark was entirely different. She loved it, and I'd be out in that area visiting, and, and I'd say, oh, it's, uh, oh, it's 12 o'clock. Sister Hallmark, oh, have some food. And I'd just go by Sister Hallmark and Brother Gilbert and Brother Jesse. They'd be there, and she'd always have these fried pies, and they just loved it. And I'd just pop in all the time and go by there and eat, and I thought, man, this is, this is nice, being a, you know, a little uh, young preacher and uh, needing something to eat. I drove from Muscle Shows to, to Leeton every day, and uh, boy, I, I just remember, mm-mm, I remember going by Sister Hall, and I knew that I could go by any time I wanted to. Well, that was a situation here that developed. Elisha knew he had a place that he could stay. Uh, you could just imagine him sitting around the table, maybe with, with her and her husband, and talking about his days with Elijah. And maybe this place became a, a haven of faith. It became a, a haven that he could go to because of all the things that he was facing as a prophet of God. And uh, this was a, a quiet place. And as we're going to see in just a minute, it became his place as well where he could go and, and he could hide. So she has persuaded him. You come and you eat. You come and you eat. And you just keep eating. And so as often as he passed by, he turned in there to eat some food. Uh, David, I was thinking about your mom. I, I remember visiting your mom, uh, David Holmes. I, I, I remember visiting your mom one day, and she was talking about a, a certain preacher. She says, oh, he comes by here all the time. He knows, and she just, you know, she just talked about feeding him all the time. So he just... You never know when he's going to come by, but he'll just come by here. And it'll, be, it'll be lunchtime, and he'll come by. And, I, uh, and, and, and she was happy to do that. I just remembered that, David. I don't know why I remembered that. It just came up. All right, let's look now. Her proposal to her husband. All right, she has persuaded Elisha, you come and you eat anytime you want to. 
Her proposal to her husband is this, and we find this in verses 9 through verse 10. You know, apparently, I don't know, I'm assuming that her husband is not as strong in the faith as she is because of her having to persuade her husband to do what she wants to do. And I think here's a situation where a woman in her house had to take spiritual matters and had to take some kind of spiritual leadership. Uh, I know the Bible teaches that uh, men are to be the spiritual leaders, but we understand that's not the case every time. And in cases like that, what does a woman do? What does a woman do? Well, she, did, she, she, she needs to do what this woman did and what Peter tells us in 1 Peter 3. Wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. The best thing in the world that a, that a, that a woman can do when she has to be the spiritual leader in the house is to live the life, to live the life and show her faith. And that's better sometimes than just about any sermon. All right, now we go to verse 9. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. He's holy. She knows that. He's set apart. This is the only time in the Bible that a prophet is referred to as a holy man. That's what happens now in verse 10. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall. Probably that means on the roof. And let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. She says, you know, he's a prophet of God. I know he is. Why don't we just make a place for him? Not only a place where he can eat, but let's make a place for him where he can just stay. It's not a big room. It's a, it's a small room. And notice up there how it's furnished. It's, it's furnished very simply. Uh, we don't know how her husband responded to this. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know if he responded in a happy way, a sad way, or a, a mad way. But uh, I don't know. I, I look at this, and I, I can just see her. Apparently, he, he does agree to it. And I can just see her as she brings Elisha up there, and she says, this can be your room. And maybe she smiles because everything is just like it ought to be. What this woman did, this woman inspired for future generations to come the concept and the idea of a prophet's room. And we've seen those, and you probably have seen those as well. I've told you this story about I was in a meeting somewhere, and uh, 
the couple carried me down behind. They had built this cabin, and the cabin was for missionaries, and it was for preachers that came and held meetings or preachers that were coming through. And it was a little small little cabin, and it was cute, and it had just simple stuff and had just these simple things in it. And I assume they got it from their concept of this from this very scripture here. And it was a beautiful cabin. It looked off down into a valley, and any preacher would have been glad to stay there for a few days and and to be in seclusion, it was out in the woods. I think about Fraley's Chapel over in Mississippi. I've done several meetings over there. And Fraley's Chapel, they, their fellowship area is uh, down the road quite a bit from where their church building is, but they have a fellowship building, and then, and then they built an apartment behind it. And that apartment is for missionaries and is for the preachers that come and preach. And I've stayed in the apartment several times. And uh, they have it set aside. They had themselves a prophet's room uh, where traveling preachers could stay. That concept has been around a, a long, long time. This leads us to our first word tonight that I think I want us to remember, and that's the word hospitality. Hospitality. I think all of us need to work on our hospitality. The Bible has a lot to say about it. It says one of the requirements of a bishop is to be hospitable. In 1 Peter 4 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And then in Hebrews 13 2, do not forget to entertain strangers, referring probably to Abraham, for by some doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. You could go on and on and on about hospitality, but I think... That's something we, we need to get from this story, how hospitable this woman was. Now, I realize we live in a different culture today. They didn't have hotels. Uh, I realized that uh, back then that was just something that you did, you expected people to do. And as I mentioned earlier today, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, we, that's just not a custom. You know, you don't, preachers stay in hotels. They don't stay in, uh, you know, profit rooms uh, much anymore. And uh, we don't have people in their homes uh, like we used to. People work and people are busy. And, and I, I understand that. Here's the point I want to leave with you. When we think about hospitality, that's the thing we think about. We think just the hospitality is uh, bringing somebody home and feeding them. Well, that is part of hospitality. It is. But hospitality is much, much more than that. What do you think hospitality is? Give me some of your concepts and definitions of hospitality. If you'll be hospitable to me, you'll tell me. What's that? Yes, caring for someone. Hospitality, as I said, involves eating with people, but it involves treating others warmly and generously. It has, uh, it carries with it, especially when you begin to say these words in the Bible, it carries more of the idea of sharing what we have with others who need what we have. And that could be a lot of things. You know, you can be hospitable to a person by having a conversation with somebody who's lonely and just spending some time with them. Whether you, you drink coffee at home or whether you drink coffee in a restaurant or whatever, that's hospitality. That's hospitality. 
You can be hospitable uh, to people by, uh, of course, food. Sometimes by encouraging people, people that are down and going through a tough time. By just spending some time with them and encouraging them. That's hospitality. I tell you what hospitality is. Hospitality also is on Sunday mornings when we have guests that come here. And we make sure that we're going to go up and they don't get out of here without, you know, we're saying we're so glad to have you. Hospitality is sometimes saying to them, hey, would you like to go out and eat today with us? We're going out to eat. That's hospitality. Or would you like to come home with us? That's hospitality. Hospitality is, is, is a whole lot more than just necessarily inviting someone into your home. Hospitality is something where you do not reciprocate. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of times we'll have, we have these, this group maybe that we eat together. And so you come and eat with me, and so they're obligated to feed me now because I ate with them. Uh, that's not hospitality. Hospitality is something you do, and you don't expect anybody else to do anything for you. That, that's involved. That's the, the generosity that's there. Uh, I have special memories of my house at holidays because my mama was so hospitable, and, and how she would bring in that. And you've heard me say this. We'd have to eat in shifts, and uh, I mean, mama, you didn't know who was going to be there because mama was just about everybody, and we'd get there and... You just didn't know if he was going to have standing room only or what. That's just the way she was. Now, I've given you some hints. Can you give me a few more ideas about hospitality? Whatever they need. That's a good point. Jim says it's whatever they need, whether it be a yard mode or whether, whatever it might be. That's hospitality. That's hospitality. Um, I, I got these, and I thought these were interesting. Uh, this comes from Karen Maines in, 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 a, in a book. Hospitality says, what I have, whether much or little, is a gift from God. I want to use it for Him. Not, I want to impress you with what I have. Hospitality whispers, what is mine is yours. Use it. Rather than shouting, this is mine, Admire it. Hospitality seeks to serve instead of seeking compliments. Hospitality makes a visitor feel at home, while worldly entertaining can make the guest feel obligated. You have thoughts about that? Any comment? Yes, sir, Tim.
<laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a personal thing with that. I have stayed in people's homes when I've gone and done meetings. And the people have been so great and gracious. But uh, I'll tell you the truth. I've stayed in a place or two. I almost froze to death one week. Uh, they didn't like, they wanted to save on their electricity. I spent the night. I went to a fluid to a place uh, a few years ago. And uh, I was going to stay with this young couple that lived in a one-bedroom apartment. And they pulled the the bed out of the sofa and I stayed there it was a Friday through Friday and I stayed there all week slept on that sofa bed and uh, and they were so sweet and they were so nice but you know I prefer a hotel <laughs> I'm sorry uh, uh, I'm about rob somebody of a blessing I guess so there, there are pros and cons of that but the point is hospitality is important and it's more than just one thing Right, we got to move on here. We'll come to our second word here. We're going to see the gratitude of a prophet now in verses 4 through. Uh, we're going to see what Elisha does. This woman has just gone out of her way. You're going to have this place you're going to eat and ta- be taken care of. We see the gratitude expressed. We see Elisha <coughs> expressing this in verses 11 through 13. <coughs> Verse 11. It happened one day. That he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Well, he just had an open door policy there. So one day he comes. He's enjoying the hospitality that's been extended to her or to him by this woman. And so he's thinking of some way that he can express his gratitude. I mean, someone does something like that to you, what do you do? Well, that's, you ought to do, and this is our second word, appreciation. Uh, find this, this scripture here, Matthew 10, 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, she was deserving because of what she had done. It was time for her to receive, in Elisha's mind, a prophet's reward. So let's see what happens. Then he said to Gehazi. Now this is the first time we read of Gehazi. This is his servant. He was playing, Gehazi was, play, uh, was playing the role uh, to Elisha, what more than likely Elisha was playing to Elijah, a servant. Call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. Uh, I look at this, and uh, we're going to see something interesting here in this text. And that is, she stood before Elisha, but she doesn't come in to the room. He says, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him. Now remember, he's up in, in his upper room here. Then he said to Gehazi, or Gehazi, if you want to say it that way, his servant, call this Shudamite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, 
say now to her. Now that's interesting to me. The woman's up there, she's in the door, but he doesn't speak to the woman. But he speaks to the servant. He says to the servant, now, here's what you say to her. I don't know what's going on here in this whole thing. Some commentators believe that there's some kind of uh, special thing going on as far as uh, certain proprieties are being observed. That is, this woman wanted to make sure that she didn't come necessarily into his bedroom and that things wanted to be up and above board on that. That could probably be a, a, that is a sermon in and of itself. Now, later on, he's going to speak to this woman. But right now, he says to Gehazi, you, you, get her. Now, what's going to happen is that Elisha wants to give some appreciation to her. Appreciation. Let's talk about that for just a moment. We talked about hospitality and we talked about appreciation. You know, we need to say it. And he's going to say to this woman, thank you. He's going to say to this woman, I appreciate what you have done. We need to work more on that, shouldn't we? We need to be more appreciative when people do things like that to us. Colossians 3.15, we're to be thankful. In Hebrews 12.28, let us have grace. And that means let us be thankful. And then in 2 Timothy 3.2, those who are very bad folks are unthankful people. The Bible teaches us that we ought to be very appreciative of the things that we do in life. Now, I look at those scriptures and I think about people in my life. And I, and I think of people in my life that have done some things to me and helped me that I haven't said thank you to. I look back. Some I have and some I haven't. I remember a few years ago I thought about some of the guys that helped me when I was a young guy, even a teenager. And I remember I sat down and I wrote them a letter because they had done some very special things for me and to help me. And, uh, but there are a lot of folks I haven't done that for. I think we need to be doing more of that. We need to be saying more and more thank you and showing appreciation. Um, I, uh, every now and then, will get a call from Jim Martin. Dr. Martin's son. I mean, he'll just call me out of the blue. He called me one day, and he's 30,000 feet in the air. He's paying one of those phones, but he just calls. says, I want you to know I'm thinking about you. I want you to know I appreciate this, I appreciate that, and uh, whatever. And he does that ever so often. I think, man, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be like that and just call people and when I think about them and, and to call them appreciation. What are some ways, and how can some ways we can express our appreciation? Well, write the cards, make the phone calls, maybe go see them and talk to them personally. I remember sometimes when I go back over to Green Hill, I see some people that really helped me, and, and I wanted to let them know these days. I want to let them know, thank you so much for what you did for me. But as I said, there are a lot of people I just don't do that to anymore. I haven't done that to. But he expressed it. Now let's read on with the story right quick. I want you to see he extended it. There's one thing about saying thank you, and there's one thing about saying I appreciate you, and showing it is a different thing. You say it, and you show it, and that's what he does here with appreciation. Notice now the second part of verse 13. 
He says, look, now this is, he says to Gehazi, you tell her this, even though she's standing there. Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? Well, you can understand that. Uh, they probably were indebted to him, remember? In our lesson not long ago. I mean, he, he, he saved them. He saved the kings and he saved all that. And, and they were probably indebted to him. He saved the nation. Uh, and he probably could have gotten anything that he wanted to. Anything. And so he says, I'm not only say it, but I'm going to show it. Uh, maybe he's saying here with this, can we put a good word in for you? Maybe that would help you. Uh, I, yeah, I think I look at this and I think, what would be my response? You know, someone comes to me and says, what can I do for you because of what you've done for me? What, what would I ask for? What's interesting? What's this woman's response? At the last part of verse 13, she answered, I dwell among my own people. What is she saying here? What's that? Don't need nothing. Don't need nothing. I mean, I do not need a thing. Not need one thing. That leads us to our third word tonight. Hospitality, appreciation, you see it, you show it, and being contented. He was contented. She said, I don't need that stuff. I'm contented to be here. And of course, as we said, she's probably wealthy, being married to this man, but she was continued where she was. She didn't have to go to Jezreel. She didn't have to go anywhere else. And doesn't the Bible say a lot about contentment? Be content with such things as you have. Be content, Paul would say in Philippians 4.11, and we shall be content over and over and over again. Now watch this. So he said, what then is to be done for her? It's like, I don't know, I might have probably said, I'm at the end of my rope, I don't have anything else to do. No, I probably would have given up. And Gehazi answered, Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. Isn't it amazing when you put two or three heads together, what you can come up with? Sometimes we think our ideas are only ideas and the best ideas, but when you get and you start talking about things and you start feeding off of one another, there's something that pops in your mind that you've never thought about before. And, and, and Gehazi says, look, she doesn't have any children. And, and you know, children are very, very important. And so, why don't you just give her a son? Verse 15. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Here she is in the doorway again. I think that has something to do with not wanting to go inside in, into the bedroom. Verse 16, then he said, about this time next year you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. She really, really wanted a child, and she didn't want to be disappointed. Verse 17, but the woman conceived and bore a son, and when the appointed time had come, of which Elisha had told her. Wow. I imagine the scene is Elisha would come by the house and after the baby was born, and um, or maybe while she was pregnant, he would come by and she would tell him about how things were going, and maybe the baby sat on his knee, 
You can imagine all the little things that, that took place as Elijah would come by with that little child. Elijah probably heard about the first tooth of that son, heard about or even heard the first word of that boy, heard about or even maybe had seen the first step of that boy, and uh, as I said, maybe on his own knee. Three words you take with you tonight, our time is up. We need to be more like this woman. We need to be more hospitable. But we also need to be like Elisha. We need to be thankful for what people do for us. And we need not only to say it, but we need to show it. And we need to learn, <clears throat> like this woman, to be content with what we have. Any final thoughts? As I said to you, the story continues. We're going to, next week, we're going to go ahead about a, a few years, two or four or five years, and we're going to see this boy again and this woman, and we'll see what happens there. All right, let's uh, close out with prayer. Lee, would you lead us in a prayer, please? To the heart of worship, and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. Love.